Hello again. I hope you've enjoyed listening to the Otto Loser Mysteries so far. I thought I'd give you a flavor of the third and last audiobook in this series. It's a trailer, but if you haven't heard books one and two yet, you might want to go back and listen to something Borsuk said and the Scarlet Godwins. Anton's Bach was written by Otto Loser, not Anton Mattins. In the book, Otto returns to Vienna to reconnect with his long-lost wife and children, only to find out from the very beginning that he's been a character in a series of novels. This last in the series will be available to download as an audiobook on this channel from early next year. I have no idea how it happened. What I wish to say remains as incredible to me as it will to anyone who knows my plight. Before I go on, I will praise the facts. Sometime in January 2019, before Urania gave him the power to make whatever he imagined come true, Anton Mattins began writing Otto in Flames. I'd been on an epic of my own. It had started twenty years before and had only barely been explored in Anton's other novels about me. Otto in Flames was meant to tell the story of what happened after I got back to Vienna. It was meant to follow me as I got to know my family's darkest secrets. It was meant to flush out the quagmire I would soon get sucked into. At its most odious, when it felt like I was about to be crushed and hope was all I had left, what happened came soaring out of the blue. And it couldn't have happened without me. For the rest of eternity, it would be necessary for Anton to check, over and over, that the second hand was nudging its way steadily into the moment universally known as one minute after two. His horse trotted happily on to the ridge. He no longer felt the need to scratch the itch under his hat. The cave was only twenty paces off. In a moment, the strains of a familiar voice would roar the words of a well-known song. The minute he heard it, Anton would swivel in his saddle, too late before the bullet whizzed over him and the first of two shots rang over the canyon. It seemed too disconnected. Rather than ignore it, though, he decided that all of it should be catalogued and assessed. That night, he began his handwritten journal, detailing these anomalies he was experiencing. For as long as he could, Anton would make it his business before bed to jot down what he experienced in his immersions, then do some light reading and try to get some sleep. But in the weeks leading up to that fateful day of the 18th of February, he hardly slept at all. Sensing instinctively that he may never understand the apparitions being visited on him daily, he tossed and turned while his wife did all their sleeping. 
By the time he'd made himself believe unquestioningly in the powers of the muses, he was being swamped with all sorts of phantasma about a rider in the high mountains trying to find refuge in a cave. You may have gathered that, over the years, Anton had become an unfocused thinker. Whenever he wrote something with precision, he would sigh, because he loved nothing more than to be precise, and it was such a rarity. One significant entry in his nighttime journal, written shortly before he vanished, suggests that he had more than an inclination about what was going to happen to him. I imagine him sighing quite a bit as he wrote this. Although a great deal happens everywhere in the world, you should not expect the best ideas to occur in any kind of museum. Museums are logically arranged and they are locked at night. There is something anarchic about it. Museums are logically arranged and they are locked at night. There is something archaic about ideas, but especially the more profound ones. They thrive in the dark. Terpiscore shows up in the moonlight when people love to revel. She will spend the silver hours choreographing every dance the Oi, Terpe prefers the great outdoors as well. As the muse of music, she is the soil each dance grows in and the spur for all a person's movements and gestures has her divinity in the erotic. She is irresistible. I love Talia more, though. She wears a smiling mask. She tells a wonderful tale with a sense of joy that is too easily forgotten, but just as easily recalled. When I laugh uncontrollably, it's Talia's voice that I hear, and the face of a genius that I see. In fact, the genius I see is my wife. None of these muses will have come to me in sight or sound. They will all be too busy with others, and I wouldn't have known how to recognize them anyway. Of all of the sisters, it is the unworldly Urania, the philosopher's muse, who came into my life. Urania is the muse for those who gaze at the stars and wonder what is going on. She loved to surprise. The surprise she gave me is that everything I imagine comes true. 